Welcome to Inside the Mind. My name is Drew Fitzgerald, here to bring you coverage of all things Charlotte 49ers. I'm here today with Cameron Williams from the Charlotte Observer, ESPN, right? Charlotte ESPN. And, and what else? What, what, other, what other jobs have you undertook? <laughs> well, I'm actually a staff writer now for the uh, Charlotte Post. So that is um, my primary duties. But yeah, I still um, do some high school sports coverage for the Charlotte Observer from time to time and we'll hopefully be starting back our Charlotte basketball podcast coming up soon so yeah awesome if you guys haven't uh checked it out Cameron's basketball podcast with Jeremy is awesome it's what is it Charlotte what's it called again Charlotte Charlotte, uh, Charlotte basketball pod Charlotte, Charlotte yeah. basketball pod well the name is easy I don't know how I didn't remember it but it's great yeah. they've had me on a couple times um and we we love talking about Charlotte basketball anyway we have a lot of of ground to cover today. Uh, there were a lot of different developments in in Charlotte sports. First, let's just talk about that that win that Charlotte football got over ECU. Many people saw it as a surprise. Some people, you know, were were uh, ex- almost expecting it. Cameron, what did you think about Charlotte's performance last week uh, against ECU in the self proclaimed Booty Bowl? Yeah, um, kind of lived up to the name. But um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to discredit everything Charlotte did. There was some really good things. Defense, obviously, swarming uh, Coach Osborne. The defensive coordinator couldn't talk enough about just how well they played, um, and you know how how they need to continue that moving forward. But um, yeah, the offense, Coach Pogi really thinks is starting to find a little bit of an identity. Um, you know, Jalen started the whole game. We didn't see any of Trex or Ivy, so it's um, kind of trending that direction. That Jalen's going to kind of be the guy moving forward i know that's another talking point that we'll get to but um yeah it's it's looking like he's uh he's going to be in control of the offense the rest of the year yeah and and when we talk about offense charlotte this whole year has struggled to find their offensive identity uh against navy they they played trexler ivy and he came out and threw what two picks and i think he went three for mm-hmm. 11 i'm not 100 percent if that's his correct stat line but you know, this game was Pretty much, close. <laughs> yes, it was something of that nature. Um, but this game, Charlotte had 328 total yards and Jalen Jones was really leading the charge. He, he was great on his feet through the air. He was, he was kind of shaky. He had, a, he had a really bad interception that, uh, that really, I don't even want to talk about because it was pretty rough to watch, but. You know, he has these moments where he makes good decisions and bad decisions. He did have a pass for a long of 40 yards, which was great. But he had 127 rushing yards, which is something undeniable. 26 carries. And we saw Mike Miller kind of almost deviate towards the speed option look. They they ran a lot of speed option and then would occasionally screen to the tight end, which we've seen a lot this year. But this game, they were fully committed to it. And so it was it was refreshing almost to see them commit to something. Because the last couple of games we had seen kind of a switch from from Trexler to Jalen every drive and and I think that it really kind of eliminated their offensive identity but despite that there was still that inability to finish down the field they had 328 total yards 16 first downs and they couldn't finish I mean they would get in the red zone and, and penalties would kill them in fact Charlotte had so many penalty yards they had more penalty yards than ECU had yards on offense which is which is insane so what do you think about that how did they clean that up coming this week against FAU uh, Biff was extremely frustrated about that as you know you mentioned they had more yards and penalties than ECU did total and he said that's just not acceptable you can't win you can't win ball games that way um, I think it was nine for 90 if I'm remembering correctly 
And I mean, you know, even Coach Miller alluded to the fact that you just you can't you have those procedure penalties that get you you know in down and distant situations where you're having to face first and fifteen or first and twenty instead of um, first and ten, and then get five to six yards and then have shorter second and third downs because um, they I think converted three of 15 third downs and they said that's just not acceptable but, but uh, Poji he says that as long as their defense is playing the way they have then they will continue to go for on fourth down because they were perfect two of two on the season I think they are converting on a little over 65 percent of their fourth downs but only 22 to 23 percent of third downs so it's something that they're really looking to um, emphasize yeah, and, and we saw a lot of things this game that were refreshing to see, that Charlotte's offense was able to have the ball and keep the ball. 41 minutes total of total possession time. That's absolutely unreal in comparison to ECU's 18. And, you know, looking at it, and, and as you mentioned when you were at the press conference, Biff saying, you know, we can't clean this all up in one week. It's going to be a process. Uh, but, you know, I do think this ECU game was evident that there is some progress being made. Now, will it continue being made or will it revert back to what we saw in the games before against Navy and SMU? I don't know. But it was definitely a, a big step in, in improvement. They were at least moving the ball, which is something we've we've kind of seen them struggle to do. Yeah, no doubt about it. I think that... um I think that he said it's it's a process. You can't it's not an overnight fix. But I think one thing that, you know, with the talks preseason about how good this team could be, it really got, you know, forty nine er fans hopes up as to, you know, them being world beaters year one. Well, I just don't think that's a um an expectation you can have on a team that's bringing all these transfers, moving to a new conference. But um I think it was more of a, a you know, thing to kind of get the troops rallied more than uh, more than anything. But I think just come down to earth a little bit and realize, you know, this is um this is a process. He does definitely didn't want to have another year like this. Yeah, and so moving forward, I know at the beginning of, towards when during the summer at the beginning of the season, we were we were talking and we were like, at least they're going to be bowl eligible, right? Uh, it's getting to the point. The last five. Yeah, it's getting to the point where it's kind of make or break time. You know, we're going to see whether they can pull out the near impossible or if they can do it but you know moving forward do you think that Jalen Jones is that guy after we saw what we saw last week or do you think that uh you know maybe it's time to switch things you know what's your what's your take on that because I know that there was some conversation after the Navy game of well Trexler's not the guy Jalen's not the guy why aren't we going with Mika Bowens or why are we not going with Dom Schaffner as our other options and it seems to be evident through what Biff's saying that maybe they don't practice well he said the best people people who 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 do well in practice get to play do you do you think they're gonna they should stay with Jalen or what's your personal opinion on that? I think you stay with Jalen. I think he's played and you know, it all depends on what you like. Do you like a pass first quarterback or do you like one that's, you know, gonna surprise you? Either fifty fifty he could pass or run. But I think he's played the most consistent. Um when they needed a big play, he's went out and made a big play. And I think Coach Pogey as well as um Mike Miller, they're both very confident. In Jalen's ability, you know, Mike said that um, he's a dynamic athlete and, you know, good coaches, they work with the players they have and rather than look look too far ahead and try to make them a player they're not. So, yeah, I think Jalen's the guy and I think that if they want to continue to establish an identity, they need to just have a quarterback one and the other guys, they can back him up. 
Yeah, and 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 Biff Biff has mentioned a couple times, and we've even seen as fans that Jalen just has that ability for explosive play making. I mean, what was it? The Georgia State game had a huge run yeah. where he made a a spin move, almost a little shifty juke move, and just ran down the field, and that was like what his second play into the game. So he definitely has that ability yeah. to use his legs and, and be explosive. In my opinion, I, I really think this week is is the test of can he at least just be productive on offense. You know, if he goes out and runs out there and gets stopped uh, and just dead in his tracks, you know, as a coach, I'm starting to think, you know, you know, this did work last week against ECU, but should we maybe switch up, you know, maybe, maybe we should at least let the other players see the field time, like playing time. I don't know, but um, we haven't seen the other two quarterbacks on the field. And I don't know if we will, because we don't know how they practice. So that's definitely something to take into consideration going to talk about the American Conference uh, standings right now, and they're very interesting. Charlotte, surprisingly and, and relievingly to fans, are not at the bottom of the American Conference. Uh, that goes to Temple, who's 0-4 right now, and ECU just ranks a little bit above them. Uh, Tulane leads the conference. They're 3-0, and 6-1 and overall, and SMU right behind them, undefeated in conference, and UTSA undefeated as well. So those are kind of like the top three contenders. All of the people Charlotte has to beat are right above them. They need to win, as Cameron mentioned, four out of the last five games to become bowl eligible. And most of the people they face are in the middle of a pack. The only one that is kind of above them currently is Tulsa, and they're only one position above Charlotte. What's your What's your thoughts looking at this kind of table at the American Conference? How do you think the Conference USA teams are faring? Um, Conference USA teams, they're having their growing pains. Um, you look at just like North Texas and you know, UAB teams that were pretty solid in Conference USA now. I mean, UTSA, they're doing well. They didn't have a great non-conference, but they also played really tough opponents. But um, yeah, besides UTSA, I think uh, the Conference USA teams that came over kind of experiencing those growing pains. But I mean, that's kind of to be expected when you, you know, move conferences, especially up to the American, which is the premier, you know, group of five conference. So um, we'll see kind of how they fare moving into, you know, next season, even the season after that, but how will they continue to progress and, you know, kind of, I guess, equal the power balance in the conference. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really well put, but you know, it is relieving to see at least a little bit of a spread of teams, right? Rice is someone who's really surprised this year. They're yeah. all the way uh, up behind Memphis, and and they're two and one in conference, four and three overall. We did get some news, as as everybody knows, uh, SMU is leaving next year for the ACC, which is kind of strange, right? They're not on the the yeah. East Coast, but the American Conference has kind of rectified that, and in my opinion, it was it was a good addition. Uh, they added Army, the American Conference. What do you, you know, just what, for football? Yeah, just for football. Excuse me, just for football. And there have been some talks, and I think the that the Army Navy game won't count towards a conference game since it will be played after the conference championships, which is really interesting. So, uh, how do you think Army's going to like fit in this in this landscape? Do you think they're going to add a lot to the American Conference? What's your what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think they can. I think they've, you know, they've had a decent year to this point. Um, you know, it's, it's just, you know, the Army Navy game. It's one of those games where, you know, they're going to run the ball, run the ball, well, and run the ball some more. So it's, um, yeah, I think Army, they're going to, they're going to present certain teams with a unique challenge, but teams that can hone in on the run. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be tough to, um, 
to run against teams that are uh, that specialize in run stopping. And I think that's one thing Biff's really trying to get Charlotte to do is be be a run stopping kind of team to force teams to throw the ball, and then you can drop back and play coverage. So, but you know, I, I think it was a good addition, especially um, for football. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think these teams are, you know, very gritty in the American Conference. I know. Biff was talking about how Charlotte is, is trying to have that identity of being a gritty team. And we've seen that this year with their defense. If they just got their offense, you know, going, they, they could have that identity. But, you know, Army is a team that beat UTSA earlier this year. So they're able to beat kind of one of the higher teams in the Americans. So I think they'll, they'll fare really well. And I think that uh, we'll see this conference maybe take a step towards that kind of gritty nature of football, especially with Navy. Um, so there have been rumors too of, VCU possibly joining in basketball. That is quite an interesting ad. The VCU, yeah, yeah, the VCU Rams uh, were in the NCAA tournament last year. They were a good team. So adding them to the pool is, is really interesting. And especially it's going to be a challenge for, uh, you know, the Charlotte basketball team moving forward. They don't have an easy schedule this year. They have, a few teams that were in the NIT and they have two teams they'll face that were in the NCAA tournament um, in conference play, at least. So looking at this new look basketball roster, we lost Bryce Williams. We lost Ali Khalifa. Um, you can see the tears rolling down my face. It's, it's, it's not, it's not something uh, I'm excited about. Obviously people like Gibson and Aldrich have, have left uh, the team because uh, of eligibility. They're now graduated. Looking at this new team, there's a lot of new additions. Sterling Young is a community college transfer. He, uh, I mentioned him before on the podcast, he has a great ability to shoot the ball. He's really crafty. We also have Dean Reiber, right? Dean Reiber? Reiber. Reiber is from Rutgers. He's a Rutgers transfer. He's got that length. He's a 6'10 forward. So he's kind of returning home. He's from Greensboro, North, North Carolina. And then we also uh, have a Russian from USC, uh, seven foot. Iroslav Niagu, if I pronounced that mm-hmm. right, I'm really butchering names. Uh, <laughs> but he, but he has actually a, a good ability to shoot the ball from three. He's he's really kind of an interesting player. He's no Ali Khalifa uh, yet, but he you know he is he is a great shooter and he um, has that NBA Global Academy experience. And then obviously uh, the big man Deshaun Jackson, who is uh, from Washington State. He's 6'11", 260 pounds. He's a big guy. Was really kind of consistent in the Pac-12. What do you what do you think about this new team and the and the new new looks? Obviously, we have um, Robert Braswell back again. He's a grad student. Uh, his season was ended last year because of injury. This team's much different, but there is still a lot of promise. Well, you know, what what's your thoughts looking at this new look roster? Yeah, um, I'm excited. I mean, it, it you know basketball being my favorite sport. It's um, you know basketball season. It always gets me really excited. But um, I, I think. This is a good combination of transfers and returnees, and I think by hiring Coach Fern, at least for this year, as the head coach, really, um, it made guys comfortable to you know to come back because a lot of them like Coach Fern, and it's just it's going to be really interesting to see this team with the reins kind of taken off on the offensive side of the ball. Um, I like Coach Sanchez a lot, but I think you know a team like this that can get up and down the floor push the pace um it's it's going to be a bit more exciting to uh, watch games inside of halton arena this year but you talked about deshaun jackson coach Fern can't speak highly enough of him um he was he committed then decommitted 
when uh, the news about Sanchez came out and then recommitted once Fern was hired as the head coach for this year. So, um, but he's, he's all in now. And uh, coach Fern says he's one of the, one of the pros. He thinks that could really be a pro one day if he uh, continues to develop the way he is. Yeah. And I think this team is so much different than last year, because I remember last year, uh, me, you and Jeremy were talking about, there's just not a lot. There wasn't a lot of hype on the last year's team. I remember injuries kind of plagued mm-hmm. them, and a lot of the the load was on Ali Khalifa. But looking at this uh, roster, they did a great job at fixing that. They have a six eleven guy, a seven foot guy. They have forwards that are what six ten. I mean, they've really got they've got, they've got so much depth uh, in that post position, and I really think that will support Isaiah Folks and and Lakai Patterson and, and Threadgill in, in making plays because they have those really tall large guys that can can rebound so it's it's definitely interesting this this year it's a whole new look team and i i think you're right about the the hire you know uh aaron fern is 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 a great hire just because he was in coach sanchez's system and was able to retain a lot of these recruits and we heard rumors that you know a lot of these guys were thinking about transferring if if uh if he would have not stepped up for the position so Looking at the schedule this year, they've got quite a challenge ahead of them. They're going to open up November 6th against Maine and Halton Arena, uh, but then they're going to go straight into the He Gets Us Hall of Fame series where they'll play Liberty. And they'll also play uh, the game after that, uh, Utah Valley. And those are two teams that are actually really good. Utah Valley was in the NIT semifinals last year. Liberty is just, you know, always constantly playing around near the NCAA tournament. So those are just a, a big stretch of games. But then they also go on and play Duke, who I don't even need to introduce. They're just really good, and they're uh, going to be playing that game in Cameron Indoor. So that's going to be a David versus Goliath game. And then David won that battle, by the way. <laughs> yeah, they got they got Richmond uh, going on the road at Richmond, who, who Richmond's a, a, a very good team. Uh, you know, they're a perennial team that normally makes the NCAA tournament. And then obviously conference play is going to be a uh, Florida Atlantic team that made the, <laughs> the final four last Miraculous year. Final four run. That was awesome. Yeah. And they were, they were, they were dominant last year. I think they're ranked number 10th this year. And then just mm-hmm. t- a lot of other conference opponents that are just tough. North Texas, who was NIT. They were what? Didn't they win the co- the conference championship and also the NIT last year? And then UAB, who was the runner-up in conference and also made the NIT uh, championship but lost. And then um, and then Memphis, obviously, uh, coached by Penny Hardaway, which is just tough. I mean, so looking at this conference schedule, it's no easy feat, but it is a challenge and the roster looks different. Are there any games that stand out uh, to you on here that that uh, you think Charlotte and and that team will have a good matchup? Good matchup. I mean, I look at the Tulsa game. Um, if I, if my memory serves me correctly, Charlotte played Tulsa back in the Myrtle Beach uh, Invitational last year, and so I mean, I think that could be a really good game. Um, North Texas is just always hard, but one thing that I've noticed about the schedule is a lot of the well, you played Tulsa, that we played Tulsa twice, but then let's see. A lot of the harder games they've got at home, you look at Florida Atlantic, their only matchup with them is at home. Their only matchup with uh, Tulsa is at home. So, and then East Carolina is a home and away. Um, I like I like the East Carolina game, both of them. Um, I think they match up pretty well. Uh, Memphis is going to be a tough one. It's going to be a big uh, game for Deshaun Jackson because Memphis really they've got some athletes that can uh, can get in the post and uh, do some damage. But even the Wichita State game that that one being at home, uh, come out and support the Niners, uh, 49er faithful, because uh, they'll need you. 
And, and a lot of those teams are, that, that was a great point about a lot of the teams they're facing that are pretty, pretty solid are at home, right? The North Texas, UAB, Florida Atlantic. I mean, those are, those are teams that we know are going to be good this year. And, um, that those, those are some great opportunities for them to win the game. It's, as you remember last year, they, Charlotte 49ers were not too great uh, on the road. They had, they had a home winning streak at the beginning of the season. I forgot how many games they won. It was like close to 10, I think. And then they finally got their first loss, but a majority of their games were won at home last year. And that, that crowd really played a huge impact on the games. Uh, even, even the first half of the Florida, Florida Atlantic game last year, Charlotte really kind of stayed in the game because of that crowd. So um, there's a lot of possibilities for upsets this year. Yeah, I, I definitely think uh, upsets could be in the works, but um, it, this team's really hard to just figure out. I mean, as is with any team that brings in a lot of transfers, you just you got to see them play first. Um, be interested to go out to some practices here in the coming weeks just to see kind of how they're meshing and how things are looking. But they've got a tough schedule, tough non-conference, so um, they'll be ready for conference play for sure. Yeah, and that that American Conference bid maybe give them a potential for more than one team uh, to go to the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. Definitely something they didn't have with the CUSA. I think that this year kind of gives that edge for this conference. This is going to be a really good basketball conference. I mean, last year, the, the CUSA uh, departing, a lot of these CUSA teams are coming in with, you know, adding with Memphis and SMU and, and stuff like that to to really combine and make this really good basketball conference. So it's going to be really interesting to watch. Some news that we got today was that Jerry Richardson Stadium will be hosting uh, the Bahamas Bowl this year. Really interesting development. The Bahamas Bowl, as most of you know, isn't happening this year or isn't happening in the Bahamas this year because of yeah. some renovations the stadium is undergoing and uh, they don't have enough time to fix them before the game. So this year it will be happening in Charlotte. Really interesting pick. I, I didn't expect it, especially with the Panther Stadium downtown. I, I wouldn't think that it would be in in Jerry's place, but you know this could be some some good good exposure and revenue for our university. Yeah, and um, it's gonna be teams from Conference USA, and I'm trying to think of the Mac. other conference. It's the Mac. It's the, the Mac. Mac. Yeah. There you go. Um, so maybe some former teams that Charlotte's played will be uh, one of them at least will be playing in that game. Um, yeah, very, very interesting that uh, the Bahamas Bowl is coming to Charlotte of all places. But um, I guess you do what you got to do. And but like, you, you know, your point about the revenue, I mean, that it just it brings exposure. It's like, hey, you know, this is this is Charlotte Stadium, and that kind of thing. And who knows, maybe some of that revenue can go to um, expanding the stadium. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Especially with the recent donations that they've got. They really just need that extra push to to finish it off here. But moving into this week, Charlotte has a huge task. Actually, tomorrow night, so it's a Friday night game, Charlotte will face the Florida Atlantic Owls. That game will kick off at 7.30 p.m. on ESPN2. So some national coverage, which is which is big. No more ESPN Plus this week. A lot for Charlotte to consider coming into this game, but how do you think they're going to get this win over the Owls? Defense, defense, defense. Um, the offense needs to step up and make big plays when they can, but um, when you look at FAU's offense, they've got a really solid uh, receiver in LeJonte Wester who's got 66, 65 catches, something like that on the year. Um, it's like 
35 to 40 more catches in the next guy on their roster. So it's, um, <laughs> you got to find the guy that's going to be able to guard him. Uh, Coach Osborne says they really do a good job of getting him in space and just letting him be the athlete that he is. Um, so play calling, um, situationalized type stuff on the defensive side. But, um, you know, Coach Osborne couldn't, couldn't say enough about his team's performance against ECU and just hopes that they can really continue to play at that high level. Yeah, and Florida Atlantic has a really good passing team. So I think these corners really got to lock up here and, and stop them. Obviously, the defense every week comes to play, but they really need to lock up this week. For me, I think Charlotte's key to the game is eliminating penalties. I think that that's mm-hmm. something that they really struggled with in the ECU game. I think if they come out in this game and execute similarly to how they did in the ECU game and they, and they eliminate those penalties, uh, they'll be able to finish in the end zone more. Uh, they, I, you know, I think last week we kind of saw them overcome that, that barrier of converting on third down when they weren't third and long. So mm-hmm. that's the biggest thing is just not getting in those third and long positions. And last week it wasn't even because they were losing yards. It was because just penalty yards. So mm-hmm. I think that's going to be huge this week is just not beating your self uh if they you know eliminate those explosive plays on defense and just stop those penalty yards i think that this will be a lot closer game than people think uh it's it's winnable in my opinion you know i think almost all of these games have been winnable for charlotte especially games in in the swamp and in in college park charlotte had the opportunity to win those games just they came a little too short they beat themselves essentially so Mm -hmm. a lot to think yeah no doubt no doubt i think um I think one thing that Poge is really emphasizing, and like you mentioned, the penalties, he's like, the penalties, you know, the some of the um, penalties down the field, you know, pass interference, stuff like that, but he cannot stand the, the false start, the, the little knick-knacky penalties that really add up over the course of the game. And uh, when he was asked about, you know, what, what are some things that you can be done to be, like, uh, to eliminate those, and he, he paused for a second before he uh he jokingly said torture because <laughs> he, he was so frustrated with the um the pre-snap penalties that forced him like you mentioned into those third and uh, long situations so but now he he wants fans and students out to support the team um it's a 7 30 start so um you get home from work or whatever and head on out to jerry's place Definitely head on out to Jerry's place. Florida Atlantic is two and one in conference, three and four overall. Charlotte is one and two in conference and two and five overall. So huge implications for a bowl game here on the line for the Charlotte 49ers. But thank you so that's much, a, that's Cameron. A question I, well, before we stop, <laughs> I really wanted to ask you this question when I saw oh, the yeah. remaining schedule. Uh, so you got Florida Atlantic, Tulsa at Tulsa, Memphis at home, Rice at home, and then on the road at South Florida. Which are the four? are they going to win? That's a great question. So looking at the schedule right now, these games, Florida Atlantic and Memphis, I think are the two games that they should win. Uh, Memphis is a good team, but you know, they're visiting Jerry Richardson stadium. And I think these three games, Florida Atlantic, Memphis rice uh, at home are all very winnable, especially just from the atmosphere you have in Jerry Richardson stadium. And I think that Charlotte really hasn't shown it this season. And I think they need to win those games. Uh, so this game against Florida Atlantic is going to set the tone. I think if they, they can't overcome them, I, I think it's going to tell you a lot about what's going to happen next season. Surprisingly, when you look at those teams, yeah. when you look at those teams, Memphis rice and Florida Atlantic, they're all two and one. Yeah, but yeah. They're all being played at home. You got Tulsa, yeah. who's one and two on the road, South Florida, who's two and two on the so, road. If you can win all the home games, 
then do you beat Tulsa or do you beat South Florida? I think I think that Tulsa is 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 the winnable game there. I think South at South Florida is is going to be probably the toughest game they've had all season. South Florida put Rice through the ringer, and so I really think that's going to be the, the Alabama too. Yeah, Alabama too. So I think that um, tough losses, but I just think their offense is just so explosive. Um, they have they're twenty fifth in the nation in rushing yards, and I just think that that Charlotte's defense is going to have a really tough time if our offense can't get anything done. I think that Tulsa game is more winnable, but I but I think these I think that these home games are are the must wins are are the games that they sh- they could and they should win. Memphis is going to be probably the toughest task, but you know the South I, I would say South Florida and Memphis are the are the toughest opponents they're going to face. So that's that's kind of my take on it. Yeah, I definitely agree, and I think. Um, you don't want to um if you're going to win win now win four four straight you don't want to have to go to south florida to try to clinch a bowl but charlotte's done some crazy things in the past we know the run they had in 2019 to get to a bowl game so uh we'll see what happens yeah well thank you so much cameron for joining the podcast i really appreciate your insight all the work you're doing for the charlotte 49ers and 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 for all the other teams that you're having to report for for the season it's really great to to see your work if you guys are interested in following cameron uh cameron plug your socials real quick yeah no i'm I'm primarily on twitter or x if uh for those that call it x now um at cam will sports um yeah, follow me there. Um, pick up uh, copies of the Charlotte Post. I uh, got Charlotte. Got the my. Uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm primarily on Twitter or X. If uh, for those that call it X now, um, at Cam Will Sports. Um, yeah, follow me there. Um, pick up uh, copies of the Charlotte Post. I uh, got Charlotte. Got the my uh, Charlotte 49er story in there from this week. So um, yeah, just uh, tune in. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Cameron. Uh, And we'll see what happens this week against uh, Florida Atlantic. Hopefully good things. Uh, If not, we have a lot to talk about uh, the next time we We will. Thanks for listening to Inside the Mind. Hit that follow button to stay updated on all things Niner Nation. You can find me on Twitter at InsideTheMind49 and on Instagram at Drew underscore Fitzgerald. As always, picks up and roll Niners. Niners.